We are so happy you're joining us on our Brentwood Church podcast. To find out more about Brentwood, go to brentwoodchurch.org. During this episode, we hear a great message that we pray will lead you to a new and deeper level with Jesus Christ. So open up your Bible or Bible app and grab a notebook or simply listen along. Good morning. And if you weren't feeling anxious, you are now. Certainly that was an intense bumper. My name is Matt. How are you guys doing today? Okay, some of you are awake with us this morning. I'm glad uh, that you're here with us today. I work here at Brentwood if you're new with us, and uh, I am honored that you decided to spend the morning with us as we launch into a new series, which you just saw called Panic Attack. Panic Attack. We're going to be talking about something specifically today that everyone in this room, every single one of you, and around this world have all experienced, uh, and that is fear. Fear, right? Right? Everybody on some level has experienced fears. On the practical side, we have the survival mode, uh, protective fears. It's when you're in the woods and you see a bear and you're like, oh, shoot. And you realize a bear's not the only one who poops in the woods because you just did, right? Sorry, it was a joke. Um, some of you guys don't know that one. It's okay. But, uh, but you see the bear and you flip out and you say, oh, gosh, my survival modes kick in after I panic. And I realize that I've got to protect myself, so I run. Like, these are natural fears. These are healthy fears. Some of you might relate better to some other uh, fears. I have some examples. I'm going to show some pictures. Now, I'll I'll warn you, none of these are graphic in their content. But depending on uh, you, depending on your your fears in life, uh, some of you might hate me here after this. So um, I I need to get my my preview so I can tease out what I'm going to see. I forget the order. Uh, Yes, yes. First... Some of you might have a healthy fear of heights, right? So when you see this picture looking down from one of the world's tallest buildings, you see that you're in your mind, you're already getting anxious and you're having fears because something tells you nothing good comes from high places, right? You don't fly on planes. You don't go to tall buildings or rooftops or the edges of cliffs. Anybody have a healthy fear of heights? Okay, yes. So sorry if you're mad at me. Um, Next, uh, look, I'm sorry, okay? Some of you have a healthy fear of spiders, right? I knew this was going to get you. Some, who, who hates me right now? Who's looking at that and hates me? I'm sorry, guys. I'll make it up to you, I promise. But some of you, when you see a spider in real life or on a screen, you want to run out of this room or you want someone else to kill it to protect yourself so that you can survive. Um, another healthy fear that we should all have, and if you don't, you need to reconsider your life, is a fear of clowns. Look, I don't care if it's, if it's a creepy clown from a Halloween movie or if it's a happy clown or Ronald McDonald. Like, all clowns are creepy, and I'm sorry if that bothers you, but that's, at least we should all have that healthy, protective fear. And then the last one, when you see this group of things or people, some of you get scared, and that is kids, all right? Some of you see kids, even they're happy. I'm sorry, that's a joke, but I mean, truthfully, some of you, so when you serve here on Sundays, you don't serve with Brentwood kids, and you serve in other places. That's okay. You serve where, where God is leading you. And if that's with our setup or teardown team, you can do that as well. Sorry, I had to make the plug. I have the microphone, so they can't tell me no. But this series is not about those types of fears. Like, those are fun. It's fun to joke about those. And actually, those fears can be um, necessary to survive sometimes, right? In, in certain situations, we need those to continue living. But this series is about fear that causes anxiety, fear that causes worry, fear that causes stress, causes us to go into those mindsets of what in the world am I going to do in this situation? 
For me, this has been uh, so true in the recent months of my life, which is kind of weird because if you know me, uh, I'm usually a pretty relaxed guy. I don't freak out easily or hardly ever. Um, let's just listen to some Jack Johnson and we're good to go. Can I get a witness? Yes. All right. That's me. But about six months ago, life changed a little bit. Uh, back in May, my wife and I had our first child. And uh, Sullivan, I think we have a picture of him. I told you I'd make it up to you. He's adorable, right? He's so cute. Um, and he brings us so much joy and, and happiness. But life changed when you have a baby. Like nothing stays the same. If you have a newborn, you know what I'm talking about. And so that was back in May. And then in August, I stepped into a new role here at Brentwood in my current job. So about three months ago. And over the last three months, I've been more anxious and more worried. And I've had more fears in my life than ever before. Which I know sounds weird because I work at a church. So I should be happy, right? But just like maybe some of you have experienced with a transition in life, maybe moving somewhere or getting a new job, that can be stressful. You've got a lot to learn. Uh, you've got a, uh, you know, this learning curve, you've got expectations to meet, or at least in your mind you do. And, and that's been the case for me. And then last week, I, I remember literally sitting back here in the back with my wife as Pastor John was um, teaching at the core, which by the way, if you missed, be sure to go online and, and check it out. But I was sitting back there in the back and out of nowhere, it dawned on me that, oh shoot, next week is next week and I'm going to be up here teaching. And it's not that I'm nervous up here talking, but I knew that I had just a few days to prepare all these thoughts and get everything ready. And I started, uh, my mind started wandering and my heart started racing. I was getting anxious. My chest got tight. You guys have been there before, right? Like I'm literally having a mini panic attack in church. I'm, I've lost focus of what Pastor John was even teaching about. Fear, anxiety, stress, worry. We've all been there. For, for some of you, it, it might be the pictures I showed. It might be a similar life transition or a new job like my story. For some of you, it might just be a fear of commitment. When you think of committing to anything, you start to, to get anxious. Or maybe it's change. Like you don't want anything to ever change in life. Why can't it all just stay happy and perfect, right? And when something changes, it causes you to get anxious, to get worried, for others of you, it might be sickness. Maybe it's a health-related thing. You, you fear what might happen after death with life, uh, the unknown. Maybe that's your fear. And when you start thinking about those things, your mind goes to some weird places. Others of you, you might think of raising kids, right? I can relate to this. How in the world are we going to raise sane children in this crazy, crazy world? How is that possible? How are we going to keep our family together? How are we going to manage finances when it seems like we can't pay the bills sometimes? Maybe your worry is, as a student, right? We've got a lot of college students here. Maybe your worry is about class. I've got homework. I've got a test. Not to mention student loans. Not to mention, am I ever going to find a spouse? Will I ever get a job or career? You start to think about those things and that, that your chest gets tight. You get worried and anxious. Or, or maybe you see things like what happened Friday in Paris, heartbreaking tragedy. You think, what is wrong with this place? And your mind starts to think, am I safe? And you begin to fear for your own life. Should I even leave my house today? Because I don't want to go outside because I don't know what could happen. These are all very real thoughts that many of us go through, if not every single one of us have, has experienced in life. Regardless of who you are, regardless of your life, situation, regardless of your age, your gender, you know what, even regardless of what you believe about God, 
reality is that there's a, there's a lot of people in here. Some of you might not believe in Jesus this morning, but just like me, you have experienced uh, worry and anxiety in life. And that's what we're going to talk about today. That's what we're going to see um, uh, the truth behind this morning. Because when we get anxious, when we get worried, when our mind goes to those places and our hearts becomes overwhelmed, we get stuck right? Life begins to stop moving. It affects those directly around us in our circles. Our job performance decreases. We don't care about what we're doing socially with friends. We get in this crippling, debilitating, it's like a state of living in a coma. That's what anxiety and worry can do to us. And so what's the answer? Like, is there hope for all of this? Like, is there, is there any answer for feeling this way? Some of you might be wondering that, or maybe you've wondered that before. And that's what we're going to that's what we're going to see. So if you want, you can feel free to turn to uh, Timothy, 2 Timothy. It's in the New Testament. Uh, there will also be verses on the screen or on the Version Bible app. I found a, um, a survey this week by Chapman University. It's called the Survey of American Fears. And it's all about surveying people. What are you fearing in life? And um, they came up with their top answers. And, and then I found this other survey that they do within that. What, what are people doing in response to their fears? And uh, I think we have a graphic. These are the top four answers that Americans are currently doing in response to fears. Uh, You can see the first one is voting for um, a particular uh, candidate, uh, which is coming up soon, right, next year. Uh, Buying a home alarm, purchasing a gun, or sending their kids to private school. And as I was reading that this week, I just was like, man, what's the good in, in any of those answers? I mean, really. And I'm not talking about gun rights. Look, I'm all for owning guns, okay? But... But what good do any of those things do? Does buying a gun or a home security system really prevent a crime from happening to you? Right? Does, does voting for someone, is that really going to do as much as we might think or hope it is? Is there any true hope in buying a security system or sending your kids to private schools? What, what Americans are currently doing, these four actions on average, this is really like pulling weeds when you're a kid, you know? how you don't get to the root when you're a kid and you're, and you're pulling weeds. That's what this is like. That's what this is like. There's no real solutions there. So these actions, like what Americans are doing on average, that's not solving any true issues, if we're honest. That's like picking weeds, right? And I've been there as a kid. You pick the weed and it grows back. What the heck? You didn't get the root. And that's what we're going to look at today. What's the heart of the problem? Where does fear really come from? And I think an easy question to ask along with that is does fear and worry, does it, does it come from God? Is this anxious and worrisome fear, does is, is it come from God? Because if we believe, even as a believer in Jesus, if we believe that, that God created us, then, then why wouldn't he have created our heart and our mind and the way our emotions work? So I think it's easy to go there. Did God give us this spirit of fear? Is he the one who makes me have little panic attacks? Let's read what 2 Timothy says. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Verse seven, for God has not given a spirit of fear, but he's given a a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And what Paul is saying here to his dear friend, Timothy, he's pouring out his heart. He's saying, this is how you need to live. As you go out and you you become an ambassador for Christ. And as you, you plant all these churches, Timothy, here's what you need to know. God hasn't given you fear and God hasn't given you worry. It's not from him. He gave you power and of a sound mind. And I love what he says in verse six. If you look at that, 
He says, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gifts from God. The gifts from God. The gifts are not uh, fear. They're of power. They're of love. That's what God gave you. He didn't give you this anxious heart. He didn't give you this mind that is always circling about the zombie apocalypse or those, those things we talked about earlier. That's not from God. It's not from God. So, uh, so what's it from? If, if he is not the root cause, if it's not our creator, then what is it? Uh, and, and we're going to see that. You can flip over to 1 Peter. We're going to see what the, what the uh, heart of the issue is. Where's the root? Where is it really planted? Where does that come from in life? Uh, if, if you're like me, you, you love fall, not because of the cold weather, but because it is football season. And I love college football. I'm from Florida. I'm a big Gators fan, new coach. It's a better year. I got a witness. Yes. Um, but I love college football. The thing about college football is that every week from Sunday through Friday, your team is game planning and they're coming up with a strategy to defeat the other team. It's what we saw yesterday with all the big games going on. And look, it can be your big rival, whether it's like Virginia and Virginia Tech are playing each other, or it could be that school that, you know, you never play, you never heard of. Uh, But the goal of that football team is to defeat the other people. They're going to come up all week, even like up to the last minute when kickoff happens. They're going to be strategizing, okay, how can we defeat this enemy? What's the best game plan and the best strategy to win this game? And that's what Peter kind of does here for us. He gives us this game, this game plan, this strategy of how we can defeat fear, how we can overcome those anxiety attacks that happen in life. He's writing to the believers in Rome. Uh, a little history note here. Uh, it's a stressful time back then. Uh, uh, Rome is a hectic place. The emperor was Nero and just people didn't like living there. Uh, it was kind of crazy. And, um, and so Peter writes this letter to the believers there to say, hey, here's how you can live victoriously in spite of all this madness that's happening. Here's how you do it. Cast all of your anxiety on him, on God. Anxiety. So notice that he's talking about what we're talking about. It's about fears, anxieties. Cast it all on God. Because why? Because he cares for you. That's why, in spite of what's going on here in Rome, remember he's writing to the people in Rome, in spite of everything that's happening, cast all of your anxieties on God because he cares for you. But be alert, look at verse eight, be alert and of sober mind because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Man, that is, that's a powerful verse right there that Peter writes. Look at what he's saying, like a lion, we have an enemy who wants to kill us, Right? And I love that he calls out him, out the devil. He gives him a name. He says, your enemy, the devil. He is real. He exists. And his only purpose is to attack you, to slow you down, to devour you, to distract you from living a life that is free in Jesus Christ. That is our enemy. He is ready to devour you, to devour you like a lion. I mean, imagine that wordplay that he writes there. Could you, just like, if you're in Africa and you see a lion in the distance, like, that's some scary stuff right there. And that's what he wants you to take in your mind. And I think if we took that wordplay with us as we go to work, as we go to school maybe, as we interact with family, as different life situations happen to us, I think it would cause us to change our reactions. I think it would cause us to maybe change how we interact with people because we would realize that 
man, this isn't, this isn't this person I'm having this strife with. This is my enemy. This is Satan. He has a name. This is the devil. Peter could not be any more clear in these verses. He is real, and his only goal is to get you trapped and to get you stuck in living this life. And look, I get that might be weird for some of you to hear, uh, especially if you don't believe in Jesus. If you're not a, a believer this morning, and you're here, you're like, well, I got an enemy, the devil. Like, I don't know about this. But that's exactly what he wants. He wants to keep you cynical. He wants to keep you doubting. He wants to keep you not believing anything going on. Because a life that is not believing in Jesus, that does not have the hope of Jesus, is a life that is not living in true freedom, a life that is not living with true happiness and without true joy. That's what he wants. He wants to keep you away from that stuff. The enemy is real. For every one of us, all of us, in this room, have this enemy. And if he can do anything at all to get us distracted, he's going to do it. For some people, that's uh, through addictions, right? Through addictions. Others, it's through maybe laziness or apathy or maybe anger. If he can distract you with anything, he's going to do it. But one of the easiest and most practical ways that our enemy fights us is with worries and anxiety that come from fear. That's why when Peter started those verses, he said, cast your anxieties on him. Cast your anxieties on God. Let him carry that for you. And so he gives us a game plan and a strategy. The next verse, this is the game plan, just like in college football, right? And it's not by, I love this, it's not by voting for a politician. It's not by buying a home security system or a gun or sending your kids to private school. Verse nine, resist him, resist the enemy, standing firm in the faith, Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Mm. Resist the enemy, stand firm, stay surrounded. That's our game plan. That's how we overcome the fear in life. Because we know it's coming from our enemy. And we know that Jesus has defeated our enemy. He says it right there. Resist the enemy. Know that he's there. When those situations come up, when, you're, when your heart gets overwhelmed and your chest gets tight and you're in those situations, know that it's your enemy who is attacking you. Stand firm on the truth that God loves you. God cares for you. He wants you to cast your anxiety on him. And then stay surrounded. Stay surrounded with who? Stay surrounded with people who, man, people who've gone through what you're going through in life. That's what Peter said there. He said, know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You're not the only one who's experiencing or has experienced what, what you've gone through in life. You're not. And some of you might just need to hear that today. Like you're in an awful situation or you've been through some really, just some tough stuff. But Peter's saying, no, that you are not the only one who's experienced that. There are other believers in this world who are going through some tough times with you. And there's other people in this world who care for you who love you. There's people in this room right now who would love to talk with you, who would love to pray with you this morning and say, hey, what's going on? How can I care for you in this moment? Resist the enemy, stand firm, stay surrounded. That's our game plan. That's how we can defeat sin, or excuse me, defeat uh, uh, Satan as he comes in our life with fear and anxiety and worry. Resist the enemy, stand firm, stay surrounded. That's our game plan. That's our strategy. I wanna look at... um, a story, if you will, here in, in uh, the Bible. We're going to kick it old school, is what I like to say, going to the Old Testament. And uh, we're going to look at a story from a pretty prominent figure uh, in the Bible. If you're familiar with the Old Testament, if you're not, I'll, I'll catch you up. 
Abram was this dude who was married uh, to Sarai. It's kind of a weird sounding name. They were later named Abraham and Sarah. So some of you may have heard those names before. But Abram at the time was married to Sarai. And God made Abram a promise in Genesis uh, chapter 12. He, he made him a, a, a pretty big deal of a, of a promise. He said, Abram, I'm going to make your descendants, the people that come from you and your wife, I'm going to make them a great nation. There's going to be lots of people and uh, they're way, 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 way down the line, like, you know, your great, 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 I couldn't even stop saying it, grandkids. Uh, there's going to be Jesus. He's going to be born from your family, from you and Sarai, from your wife. And it's going to be this great nation of people. And Jesus is going to be the hope for the world. It's going to be hope for Israel, for mankind, for you and me here today. Jesus is going to come from you guys. You, you on board with that, Abram? And he says, cool, God, um, I'm down with that. So he says, all right, go to the promised land. We're going to set up shop there. This is where your, your country and this nation of Israel is going to live. And, uh, and so that's where we kind of pick up in the story. Abram and Sarai are, are on their way, and they, they have to take a little detour to Egypt because there's this famine. And that's where we pick up in verse 10. Uh, now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. So you got to eat, right? So let's, let's go to Egypt, let's get some food, and then we'll, we'll continue on our way. Uh, But as he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, girl, I know you a beautiful woman. Mm." Guys, that's how you talk to your wife. Say, I know you're a beautiful woman, right? But look what happens next. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. And then they will kill me, but will let you live. So what's happening here is that Abram's wife is beautiful And because he's entering into this foreign land, these rulers of the land are going to see her. They're going to want her. They're going to say, we we want to take her. Oh, but you're married? No, we'll just kill you. And then we'll take her. That way there's no problems because if you're dead, then we can have her. That's just kind of how it worked back then. And Abram is in this situation where he is literally scared for his life. He's like, what am I going to do here? God made me this amazing promise that the entire world, the hope of the world is going to come from me and Sarai. But what do I do in this moment? He was scared out of his mind. And how many of you have been there before? You, you've been scared. Maybe, maybe you've been hit with a, a sickness or you have a family or a friend member who is, is going through some kind of a, a disease or a tragedy. You're like, how, how in the world am I going to get out of this? Maybe you log into your bank account and you're, you see what's going on. You're like, shoot, how am I going to pay these bills? How am I going to buy these groceries? Maybe you're a student and you get a test grade dang it, I'm going to lose that scholarship now. Or maybe you're a parent and, and your kids get in trouble again. You're just like, what is going on? How am I going to get out of this situation? Regardless of what it is for you, the anxiety is building. The worry is starting to overtake your life. Fear is there. It's pointing in the back of your mind and Satan is trying to get in and get you distracted. And that's exactly what's happening right here with Abram. He's right here saying, how am I going to get out of this? They're going to want to kill me. But God made me this promise, so what do I do? Look at what he says here in verse 13. Now remember, he's talking to his wife. Say you're my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. And so when Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarai was a beautiful woman and the pharaohs, uh, and when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh and she was taken into his palace. All right, now first off, guys, don't do this. Don't do this, right? 
Don't ever, regardless of any situation, say, hey, honey, let's just tell him your wife, uh, you're my sister, so we're safe. No, no, no. You die for your wife before that happens. Like, I, I just, on the practical level, I wouldn't want to go home and be in, in Abram's shoes that night. That would be awkward, right? But seriously, what, what happens right here? What did Abram just do? Abram just gave in to the enemy. He's presented with this fearful situation. He's scared out of his mind. And Satan lies to him. Satan says, look, I know God just promised you that you're going to have this great nation. I know he just told you that, but here's what's about to happen. You're going to die. And he began to believe a lie because you see, Abram and Sarai at this time in history, they hadn't had any kids. So if they were going to have all these descendants, if they were going to have all these children, how was that going to happen if he was going to die? And so in this moment, when fear presented itself, you know, it wasn't a big deal that Abram was scared. You know, you and I, we're going to get in scary and difficult situations all throughout life. That wasn't the problem. The problem was that Abram decided to believe a lie. The problem was that Abram said, I'm going to listen to you, Satan. I'm going to listen to you, enemy, the liar, the deceiver. I'm going to listen to you over listening to God and standing firm on his promise. He betrayed what God told him he was going to do. And then he betrayed the very woman that God said, I'm going to do all this amazing stuff through you and her. He betrayed her. He handed her over to the Egyptians like it was nothing. And Abram, you know, he's a, if you read Genesis, he's a strong man of faith. Like God did some amazing stuff through him. But in this moment, he let his fear and worry and anxiety give in to the enemy. That's what he let happen in this moment. And But what I love about this story, if you were to continue reading the next few verses, you would see that God steps in. He fixes the problem. He returns Sarai to Abram before anything happens. It's beautiful. And I love that. It's a picture of, of, of life for you and I, that God redeems what we mess up all the time, right? Some of you experience that in your own life. I know that I have. God redeems what we mess up. It's what he did right here. And he still used Abram and Sarai to, to be the line of people where Jesus came from. God had a plan, but Abram said, nope, I'm going to listen to a lie. I'm going to get distracted, and I'm not going to believe in your promises for me, God. I'm not going to do that. I think if Abram were here today, he would say something like, don't let your fear overcome your belief in God. Don't let your fear overcome your belief in God, because that's not what God wants. That's what your enemy wants. That's what Satan wants. I think Abram would look back on that situation and say, don't do what I did. Instead, let God overcome your fear for you. That's why Peter said, cast your anxiety on God. Let him take that away from you. You're not supposed to carry that. That's what God's supposed to do. I think that's what Abram would remind us here of this morning. Because as he would, he, he would attest to, when we, when we start believing lies, we start believing our enemy, we diminish the size of God. God becomes smaller our situation becomes bigger. Our enemy becomes bigger. We literally say, I'm not going to believe in you, God. I'm going to place my faith. This sounds weird to say. I'm going to place my faith in Satan. I'm going I'm to believe him in this situation. He's got a hold of my mind and my soul, my, my worries, my fears. So I'm going to believe in him. I'm not going to believe in you, God. Don't let your fear overcome your belief in God. Let God overcome your fear for you. Trust him. And how do we do that? What's the game plan? Resist the enemy, stand firm, stay surrounded. That's what Peter told us. 
I think if uh, Abram would have realized that, Genesis chapter 12 would not look the same. I think it would, would read differently today. I honestly do believe that. We'd see a really cool story about how God, like, you know, killed the Egyptians or something. I don't know. It would be different. And I think the same is true for, for us in here. I think our lives, I think they would look different. I think if in those moments when fear comes at us, if we were to recognize that we have an enemy, we would meet it head on. I think God would do something amazing in us. And we don't have to keep living in this crippling state of fear and anxiety and worry because we would hand that over to God. We give that to him. We give God our anxiety and he would take that away from us. I think today, honestly, what I think God wants to do this morning, I think he wants to free some people in this room. I think there are people in this room, believers of Jesus, who follow him but your life is held down and is crippled by fear. You're too scared to do this. You're too scared to do that. Well, what about this? What about this? I think God wants to free you from that today because God did not give you a spirit of fear. God gave you a spirit of power. God gave you a spirit of a sound mind and of love. I think the same thing is true for the people in this room who don't believe in Jesus. I think God wants you also to be free of anxiety. He also wants you to be free of worry. And he can do that for you today. The difference, though, is is Jesus. Because without Jesus, without first believing in him, there's no hope. There's no hope without him. He is the only hope and true source of joy in this world. Jesus is what brings us that. And what's interesting is that Jesus himself, when he lived on this earth, talked about fear. He talked about being afraid. And he actually gives an example of something, which is odd, but he actually gives an example of something that it's okay to be afraid of. In fact, that you should be afraid of. Jesus in the book of Luke is talking to his disciples. And, um, and look, these are his words. They're not mine. So they're kind of harsh. They're kind of blunt. But this is what he said. Luke 12, verse 4. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, can do no more. What's he saying? Don't be afraid of, of men on earth because they can kill you, but that's it. Once you die, there's more to life. What's he say? But I will show you who you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Jesus's words right here are so blunt. They are so clear. They are so powerful. Life after death is reality. And if you're fearing death without first believing in him, then you better be scared, is what he says. Because what comes next is hell. That's eternal separation from God. Jesus says it. Look, I mean, fear him who after your body has been killed has authority to throw you into hell. Not deciding to believe and follow Jesus while here on this earth results in eternity away from God. And if you don't believe in Jesus, that's what you should be afraid of. That's what he says right there. Death, that's what you should be afraid of. For the believer, we shouldn't fear that. Like, because once we die, we know that our hope is secure with Jesus. We know our hope is found in heaven with God. That's where we'll be. But the same cannot be said for those who have not decided to believe 
in Jesus while here on this earth. But what I love is what Jesus says next. I love it. Verse six, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than sparrows. If that's you today and you felt that tension of saying, man, I've never decided to believe in God. My faith isn't there. So you're telling me that I need to fear death because of hell? Well, yes, but what Jesus just said is, don't be afraid anymore because God loves you. God cares for you more than a bunch of birds. He knows how many hairs on your head, how are on your head. And what I love about that is that means he knows you intimately. Like how many hairs on your head? Some of you that might be easier than others, right? Because you're bald if you're paying attention. But what he's saying is, I know you intimately. That means I know where you've been. I know what you've done. And I still love you. And some of you might be sitting there thinking, well, there's no way that that's possible. That's not what he says, though. He says, I do love you. Regardless of what you've done, regardless of where you've been, regardless of who you think you are, I still love you. God wants to forgive you. He wants you to have security and hope and joy and peace and happiness while on this earth so that you don't have to live with anxiety and fear and worry. That's what he wants for you. He wants that for you. And then after this life, you don't have to fear death and you don't have to worry about what's next because you know that your hope is found in Jesus. You know that eternity will be spent with God in heaven. That's what he wants for you. That's what we see in those verses. And so I, I just want to take a moment and, and, and just talk about that with you. If that's you here today, if you've never made that decision to believe and follow Jesus, you can do that today. God wants you to do that today. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants you to cast your anxiety on him, like Peter said. But first, he wants you to believe in Jesus. Jesus defeated death for you, so you don't have to be held back by our enemy. And so we're, gonna, we're just going to ask for everyone if you would just bow your head and close your eyes. I don't feel like I need to say much more. I feel like you know if that's you. You know if you're the person in here who maybe is fearing death. You are fearing the unknown. You are fearing what comes after life because you've never placed your faith in Jesus. And so today, uh, I want, I want to, to give you an opportunity to respond to the gospel. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to what Jesus has done for you in your life. He wants to forgive you. Scripture points to this over and over and over again. God loves you. If you believe in him, he will forgive you. End of the story. And so today, right now in this moment, um, you know, I just want to pray a prayer. And look, you've maybe heard this before. There's nothing special about these words. The only thing that matters in this moment is what you're saying in your heart. Do you believe this? Are you confessing this to God for the first time? Do you really want to place your faith in Jesus? Do you want him to overcome the anxiety and fear that has overwhelmed your life for so long? Because he can do that for you and he can give you promise of a hope in a future. If that's you today, just say something like this. Father, God, I realized this morning how much you love me. I realized today that I've never made a decision to believe and and follow after you, Jesus. But I also realize today that you're giving me that opportunity. I also realize today 
that I need forgiveness from your sins for that. And so today, Father, right now in this moment, I confess that, I admit that. Father, would you forgive me for the sins that I've done? Would you show me your love this morning? Right now, what has happened, if you just made that decision, you have now been filled with with what we call God's Holy Spirit. And in this moment, your life has just changed forever. Your eternity is now secure. You now have hope in Jesus Christ. You now don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear the unknown because you know that after this life, your eternity is safe with Jesus. If that's you this morning, I would like to just ask for you to boldly raise your hand right now in this moment. If that's you today. All right. Body, church, you can go ahead and look up. We're going to, um, we're going to sing here in just a moment, some songs. And um, I, I want us to just go back to 1 Peter 5. Verse 7, he says, cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I said it earlier, I really think God wants to free some people in this room. I think there are people in here who have been living with crippling fear and crippling anxiety. Worry is always controlling you. And God wants to take that from you. So cast that anxiety on him this morning. Some of you need to just respond right where you are. You don't need to move. You know that God's working on your heart. Some of you need to come forward this morning and and talk with someone on our Next Steps team. They would love to pray for you. They would love to talk with you. You can share with them what's going on. What's that that's been holding you back in life? What has been holding, what, what, what is it that Satan has a grip on in your life? Because we have an enemy. He is real. So cast your anxieties on God. And this morning, proclaim freedom. Proclaim freedom. Resist the enemy. Stand firm. Stay surrounded. That is our game plan to overcome fear and anxiety in this life. So this morning, as we stand, let's proclaim that. Let's ask God to take anxiety and fear and worry away from us. And let's stand in freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you guys to stand with me. We're going to sing a song. It's called No Longer Slaves. And uh, this is a powerful, powerful song that, that, that sings a message that, that we are no longer slaves to our enemy. Stand firm, excuse me, resist the enemy, stand firm, stay surrounded. So as we sing today, proclaim that truth. If you need to come talk with someone, come down front. Our Next Steps team would love to pray with you. They would love to talk with you for you to share with them what's going on in your life. Let's sing. Thanks so much for listening today. We believe that everyone has a next step towards Jesus and we'd love to help you take yours. Email us at hello at brentwoodchurch.org or visit our website, brentwoodchurch.org slash next steps. Until next time, go change the world.